Welcome to Get A Move On, the podcast for movement lovers who are fed up with their injuries and want to enhance their all-round health. On this podcast, I'll help you change how you think about pain and illness so you can drop the frustration and move freely. I'm Amy, an osteopath turned yoga teacher and mindset coach. On this pod, I'll be talking about the joys of pain, injury and illness, the mind-body connection and how they relate to our movement practice so you can get a move on. Hey everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Get A Move On with Amy Slevin. I'm Jamie Slevin and as always I'm helping to co-host the podcast. Today we're talking about motivation, but before we do, let's say hi to Amy. Ames, how's it? Hey Jamie, I'm alright, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Great. I'm interested to talk about motivation because I think it's one of the least understood things when it comes to human behaviour. And it's something that we all have a vague sense of being motivated or unmotivated and it comes up a lot in our day-to-day lives, but I think it's sort of terribly understood. So I'm interested in getting into it with you today. Yeah, I think in terms of being misunderstood, I would agree. And I think that's because a lot of us, I think, like expect ourselves to do stuff that other people are kind of imposing onto us or that we see other people doing stuff and we think, oh, we should be doing that same stuff. It's not meaningful to us. And so we don't want to do it. Yeah, so... Motivation is something that I think people think I require motivation. I have to be motivated to do this thing. Yes. And the big way I ran into this when I was about 16, I went through a phase of when I was doing my GCSEs, needing motivational videos. Often they were actually workout motivational videos rather than study ones. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> but the idea was it was like super adrenaline pumping. You got to work as hard as you can to get this thing, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, and like with the music and the, ah, it's dramatic and like climbing up the mountain and all sorts of shit. Exactly. But therein lies the problem. The fact that you need the music and the dopamine and the adrenaline and the epicness to get you to do the thing is in the long run, and this is not talking about your GCSEs when you might just need to get through it, is in the long run an indication that you're not that into it, right? Well, funny you should say that because I think that's absolutely spot on. And it's funny that also <laughs> when you're doing your GCSEs, because I can totally understand it. And I think most people, when they were doing their GCSEs or when they are doing their GCSEs, they're just like, this is so dry. And I think that's an issue with the education system, which is a different topic for a different day, perhaps. I think for schoolwork and for certain things, we do require a bit of external motivation, but we can get there and do the stuff without it. And there's a way how. Yeah, so we'll talk about this, but it's worth noting just to set the context. There are things in your life that you do regularly Mm -hmm. that other people would consider difficult or long or effortful that you do without needing any motivation. Yeah. People will go for 5k runs every day and it's not a question of motivation. They enjoy it. Oh my God, that sounds like hell. Exactly. And then other people go, people who are into their movement, by the way, (laughs) go, God, that sounds awful. If I had to do that, I would really have to motivate myself. Yeah. So I think just to start off, I'll lay my cards on the table. Mm-hmm. Motivation, at least as characterized by those videos or by the idea of New Year's resolutions, etc., tend to be short-lived. And they tend to be short-lived for a reason, which is like motivation of that kind is like anaerobic respiration. You can do it for a bit, but you get lactic acid buildup. <laughs> and I'll leave you to kind of explain what's better. But I think that's my initial thoughts on the problem of motivation and the misunderstanding that motivation is something that we should aspire to be. Yeah, there are two different types of motivation. So we have intrinsic motivation, 
which is kind of what you've just been talking about, and extrinsic motivation. So intrinsic is the one that comes from within. And that's the stuff that really you are truly inspired to do. And then there's extrinsic motivation, which is the one that you require someone to like beat you up with, or you require that music or, you know, the punishment if you don't do it and the reward if you do do it. And <laughs> that was me during maths GCSE. There was this pen that I really wanted in Selfridges. And I was like, oh, I really want that pen. And so my dad said okay well if you get a b for gcse maths then you can have the pen and i was like okay deal and so that was my extrinsic motivation to work sort of hard for my maths gcse just enough to get the b i didn't give a shit about maths it wasn't my thing i gave a huge shit about biology chemistry hmm, maybe not so physics but definitely biology chemistry and what's it called PE. I love that. I forgot that. So those were the ones where my energy went to because I was intrinsically motivated to do physics. I had to have a tutor to be fair. Maths. I think I also had a tutor (laughs) and the external. Here's your reward. If you get your B, it just wasn't fun for me. So I needed that. And the things that I really was motivated to do, I just did. And that's the same for all of us. We all have stuff that we love to do that we don't need to be reminded to do just because it's so important to us. So like, what's one of yours watching football? Yeah, or no one needs to tell me to learn about chess, like learn chess openings or end games. That sounds like homework when I say that out loud. Fuck, that would be so boring for me. Yeah, but I find myself there. It's like a truth. It's like sort of an eyebrow raise, like, oh, go on then. Like, I could. <laughs> just to zoom out for a second. Yeah. We all know this. We all know that the stuff we like and we don't need any motivation and the stuff we don't like And we do need motivation. And there's nothing wrong with motivation in a short-term way. Because we all have to do shit that we just need to get over and do. And a little bit of anaerobic respiration is absolutely fine. The problem, though, becomes when, as a job or a career or something you're doing regularly, you're constantly requiring motivation. That's the big feedback. That's the big warning sign. I mean, there's a thing online where people collect inspiration. You know, people like collect inspiring quotes ideas videos music yeah and maybe some of instagram is a bit of that as well or pinterest maybe it's just looking at how other people are living and then using that as the motivation of like okay well i think i want what that person has therefore i'm gonna sort of try and get there yeah and the problem is to like an end goal and kind of resent the process means we're going to require the constant motivation of the end goal to do the thing which is absolutely unsustainable so A lack of motivation, the question I always ask myself is, what would have to be different about this as an exercise for me to want to do it and not require the motivation? The answer to that question is, oh, I would totally be into it if it looked like this or if instead it looked like that. The question isn't, what would I get at the end of it that would make me want to do it? Exactly. I think that's the thing also with like exercise. We've spoken about this before. You know, there are people who love the process of the exercise And there are the people who hate the process of the exercise, but they love how they feel at the end of it. And that's why they do it. And for them, that's a kind of motivation enough. For me, it's not because I don't give a shit about how I feel at the end. I want to know that the time, the hour or two hours or whatever it is that I'm slogging my tits off is going to be well spent. And I'm going to be enjoying that time. And enjoying it doesn't mean just only enjoying the good stuff. It means like I'm thriving in the challenge of the difficulty of what it is exactly i mean if you do a job where you're generally not requiring any motivation there will inevitably still be parts where you are so this is where linking comes in and i'll let you sort of run with this just for a little while 
Yeah, absolutely. Linking. I was doing this just today. So I, for example, like to have a house that looks beautiful. That's very important to me. However, the process of making it beautiful, like keeping it clean and tidy, I don't particularly enjoy. And I require a little bit of motivation in order to clean my house, for example. I had a client come to my house today and because I had this outside person coming to my house, I had like this extrinsic motivator to get me to hoover and tidy up stuff. It was something that I wanted to do anyway and have the tidy house. But because my main focus, my main motivation is not to clean my house. It's focusing on learning about human behavior, learning about movement, practicing movement, working with people to help them get over their stuff. That's what I really want to spend my time doing. So cleaning my house is not like high on my priorities. And so the linking is, okay, well, how can cleaning my house get me to what I want to do? And how can I link clean my house to my highest values, to my high priorities. And so one of the things that I do is, for example, sometimes I will listen to stuff. I might listen to a podcast. I might listen to some wonderful, amazing, clever person talking to educate myself while I'm doing that, because then I'm feeding my drive to learn about human behavior. Or as I did today, I put some music on as I was cleaning the kitchen and I had a fucking boogie in the kitchen. So I got my bit of my movement in whilst I was cleaning. And that for me was just like, awesome. Yeah, I like that. So you can almost characterize the process of linking as the process of making one activity, i.e. the one you don't like, into the one that you like, seeing how it supports that secondary activity. So if you are not a fan of tidying, but you are a fan of human behavior, going well, in what ways does tidying help me learn about human behavior? might seem like a slightly difficult link to make, but you go, okay, well, I could listen to it. It gives me an opportunity to listen to a podcast about human behavior, or it clears the space. So I therefore feel settled later in the day when it's time to learn about human behavior. And the more you can make an activity that you don't particularly enjoy, and you understand how it contributes to furthering one that you do, all of a sudden you don't require the external motivation anymore because the activity itself is kind of part of an activity that you are enjoying. Absolutely. You've summarized that beautifully. And sort of as a slight backward step, but another point about motivation in terms of movement is if you look at people who are really top of their craft, people who are the top climbers, parkourers, whatever they are, they turn up with a real consistency. And turning up with a consistency is kind of a prerequisite for being an expert in anything. And those people end up being the most, not quite motivated, but aligned with their things, such that the least amount of motivation is required. You know, Joe Rogan has done like 1600 podcasts. There's no way he could have been motivated to do 1600 podcasts. It's not a question of motivation. No, he clearly loves it. He clearly loves it. And there really is no alternative. So I think the interesting thing for me when I think about motivation is that, you know, we all feel unmotivated some good proportion of the time. It's a constant feedback mechanism as to why this isn't interesting to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes it might just be a question of giving yourself permission to say, you know what, this doesn't inspire me. This is not my thing. And fuck it. Like I have a friend who she's a little overweight and she doesn't like exercising. She never exercises. And the thing that I really respect about her is that she's just like so cool with that. She's like, I don't give a shit about exercising. I'm very okay in my body the way that it is. And my priorities are my husband, my child, my teaching job. And she loves her life. She loves food, don't we all? Well, I do. And she's just like, this is me. And I don't care about exercising. And I'm like, yeah, good for you, babe. Yeah, and that's actually a bit of a success story because I think a lot of the time when we're unmotivated, 
we're doing shit that we think we have to do. Or we're doing things that we otherwise would enjoy, but in a way that we don't enjoy. So when I started recording, I was like, oh, I know what a podcast sounds like. It sounds all very formal. So I was turning up to these recordings, not really enjoying them and kind of having to force myself through them. Not because I didn't enjoy having a chat, but because I wasn't giving myself permission to just go have a chat. I was having to make a whole song and dance of it being a whole formal thing. And it's only because I had some preconception of this is how one does a podcast. And people have ideas about how things should look or should be. They totally ruined the fun. Yes. And it's when we compare ourselves to other people. Sometimes if we put somebody on a pedestal and we expect ourselves to behave in the same way that they are doing, if we perceive somebody as like successful or good at something, then we think that we should be that way as well. We're not honoring ourselves. We're not like being true to ourselves when we do that. And I think that's when listening to when you truly feel energized by whatever you're doing when you truly have like loads of time to dedicate to that when you choose to put your time there you choose to put your energy somewhere and that thing gives you energy rather than sapping your energy those are the feedbacks like if you're like oh god i don't want to do that and like if you feel tired when you're doing it sometimes that can be a sign and a feedback that that's not your vibe and like authenticity is fucking attractive. And the irony is the reason why you end up comparing yourself initially is because the person you're comparing yourself to, who's doing things the way you think it should be done, is doing it authentically for them. And if they weren't, it wouldn't be nearly as attractive and you wouldn't be looking up to them. But the bits to take from them isn't you need to do it along these particular lines, which has very much got their fingerprint on it. The message is going to be authentic. And that might end up being a little bit scary because you're having to do things that you have perceptions about. So like you might end up doing a job that you think is not respected by your family. Like let's not downplay that. That's a big fucking thing. I can think of a few people who work in movement whose families like initially would have been like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to be a personal trainer? Why would you want to work in movement in that kind of environment? Because that's not what we respect. We respect like doctors and lawyers and bankers. And here you are wanting to go and like lift weights or jump around. No. Yeah. You know, so it could be that you have a perception of things needing to be done a certain way and otherwise they're not good enough. And therefore you have to force yourself to do things in a way that isn't enjoyable and thus requiring motivation. And that's the feedback. Or it's like, I have to be motivated to do the doctor job or the lawyer job or the banking job because I'm not into it, but I have to do it. The thing I do want to do, if I could identify it. It's too scary. And then it's really difficult. I mean, I wonder how many lives have been lived totally in kind of fear of what people who are dead would think. I mean, you know, people's grandparents who are the <laughs> patriarchies and matriarchies of the household end up setting the tone 30 years after they've passed away. Yeah, that's bonkers. And there's a meme, actually, which is basically like tradition is kind of like subordinating to people who've been dead for thousands of years. Yeah, and there's elements of truth to that, right? So I was walking in Mile End yesterday and it's a pretty diverse area it's all a big south asian community and i was looking at how people were dressed and there's some pretty conservative south asian dress and some less than conservative more to british dress and these two guys were walking next to each other and i was thinking god each of them respectively would be mortified at doing the other thing because the cultures which are informing those decisions are so different but they're looking at each other thinking, oh my God, I would hate to swap here. And it becomes so obvious in that moment, the sources of authority that you come to respect and shape large parts of your personality and make it easy or difficult to go and be yourself are based on things so far outside of you. You know, they've been there for, at times, thousands of years before you. 
will continue to be thousands of years after you. And by the way, if you grew up just across the street, you would think entirely differently. So all of which is just to say, it's a fairly unimpressive source of authority that. The fact that you could grow up on the opposite side of the road and just feel entirely differently about it. It underwhelms it as a source of actual authority as opposed to just randomly assigned cultural norms. And if something's a randomly assigned cultural norm, and I say this not because it's easy at all to do or I'm encouraging it or anything like that, but there is an element of, well, then fuck that because it's so impersonal and it's so arbitrary. You know, like the biggest predictor of being Christian is being born Christian. And the biggest predictor of believing in Judaism is being born Jewish. And the biggest predictor of being Muslim is being born Muslim. And at some point you just think, God, so there's not a whole lot of objective like authority here. <laughs> but basically, yes, comparing yourself to other people and expecting yourself to live according to what they think is important rather than what you think is important is often the thing that kind of makes us think we need external motivation. The point being, if you were really doing the thing you wanted to do, you wouldn't need motivation, but it's fucking difficult because what ends up happening is that there's a million barriers psychologically between you and doing the thing you want to do. I'm not good enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm too clever. I'm too stupid. This person wouldn't respect it. Oh God, I could do it, but not in the way that I'd wanted. And if you really are honest with yourself, it always ends up being some fear complex. I definitely run into that. You know, I was thinking, I was daydreaming the other day, like God, for my free time, you know, wouldn't it be cool to just start a Twitch channel and play chess? Twitch is a streaming service. And while I was doing chess, talk about philosophy. Like, that would be such a kick. I mean, that is such a Jamie thing. Yeah, my first thought, I caught myself doing it, was like, oh God, but like, the problem with Twitch is like, no one watches, right? Like, unless you're a big person, no one watches. And I had then all this whole psychological fear associated with, God, it's a lame thing to be spending a couple of hours a day talking to myself about philosophy playing chess with my mum sort of pretending to be sort of interested. That seems scary. And the reason that seems scary is because there's a whole psychological thing going on there of, God, you know, you want to do things properly. And if you're not going to do them properly, it's not worth doing. And that's exactly the type of thought pattern that gets in the way between you and doing something you're into. Yeah, like who are you subordinating to there? Exactly. So yeah, I hope that's an illustrative example of why it's so difficult often to do shit that you don't require motivation to do. But I think it's very important to pay attention to those things that you don't require motivation to do. Actually, do you know what's actually quite interesting? I was thinking about this the other day. Some of the things I love to do, I don't love to do them all the time. So for example, watering my plants, which is the thing that is very important to me because I love them and I want them to live. Like, I don't want to do it all the time. And I think sometimes there's an expectation that you should want to do something that you love to do all the time. I don't think it is that way. I also, apart from wanting to keep my plants alive, I love gardening and I love moving, as everyone knows. But the gardening is very seasonal specific. I don't want to garden in winter. There's no point in gardening in winter because nothing grows. Yeah, this thought about shit, this thing that I know I like doing because I've got evidence that I like doing it. I don't want to do it right now. Does that mean that I don't want to do it? That's a game I sometimes play. <laughs> yeah, it's so normal. Like, you know, for me, my boyfriend likes to get up and go and train at six o'clock in the morning. And for him, that's his time of day. I've tried to do that a couple of times and I am just a complete wreck for the entire training session. Because first of all, I normally wake up a little bit later than that. And so I'm getting up out of bed and going training when basically my body is still asleep. And so I'm like expecting myself to be able to move and jump around and do all sorts of shit that I would normally be able to do past midday, 
with no issues. But like 7am, 8am, I just can't. Yeah, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why context is so important, but I run into this at the pub when I'm like, am I supposed to not enjoy conversation? Is that not sort of what I'm trying to do as a job? <laughs> like, and then I'll be there thinking, God, I'd love to just slink back home and play some chess end games. <laughs> but then I think, can I tell you what it is? I think context is always king. So I don't like having conversations. I like having certain kinds of conversations in certain kinds of spaces about certain kinds of things with a certain kind of tone. Similarly for you, you like movement. Yes, but I like a specific kind of movement. And so don't ask me to go for a long 5 or 10k. Definitely don't ask me to go for a 10k run. 5k run would hurt my feelings a lot. <laughs> but like, ask if I want to go do parkour. Yeah. But even within the context of parkour, there are things that I like and things that I don't like. I hate precision jumps. They scare the shit out of me. I could very easily, happily just live the rest of my life without ever doing another precision jump ever but like cat leaps i could do all day no problem to answer the question why do i need motivation sometimes to do something that i say i like well one answer might be you're just not being specific enough about what you like because really if you thought about the things within the stuff you like that you do and don't need motivation for we've been banging on about chess well i've been banging on about chess so i'll give you a funny example you sort of couldn't pay me to play a classical game of chess that takes an hour and a half. The type of thinking you have to do is totally removed to a 10-minute game or a five-minute game. You couldn't pay me to play an hour and a half game of chess, but I sometimes am at the pub thinking about slinking off to play end games. So, you know, it's just really, 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 really context-specific. And I guess the point about work, if you possibly can, is to find a way to delegate the bits you're not into and do the bits you are. Ain't that the tooth? Yeah, I'm so bad at that. I'm so bad at that. I did have a cleaner for a time and then I don't know what happened and I just don't have a cleaner anymore, but like I would love one. I'm a control freak. And so delegating is scary and I have to get over that. I have to do a bit of the exercise of linking to see how if I delegate some stuff that is less inspiring to me, then I get to do more of the stuff that is inspiring to me. I haven't quite got there yet. No, it's so true. And like, I think often people, and I'm speaking from experience here, end up not pursuing the thing they want to pursue because they see so many obstacles of shit they don't want to do between now and then. You have two choices, really. You can either see how those activities do help you do the thing and really link it in the way we described, or if you can afford it, you can pay someone else to do it and free up your time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also when it comes to exercise, I was just thinking often I will have signed up for a parkour class or a yoga class or something like that. And like in the time leading up to it, I think, oh shit. <laughs> oh God, really? Am I going to go and do this now? I might feel tired. There might be like a fear element or something going on. And I'm like grateful that I've booked the thing to do because I know that that's what I want to do. And that's what I love doing. If I'm really tired... I will just give myself permission not to push myself super hard. And I think that's really important. It's like just lowering your expectations, knowing that like, yes, this is meaningful for you. You love to do this and the exercise is important for you, but just give yourself permission to kind of chill out about it and not push yourself mega hard and really start really gently. You know, I've done this a few times with classes and teaching people myself like and I've said to them like how are you guys like what's your vibe today and they're like oh my god we're really tired and so we'll start really gently and then over time when they get into the stuff that we're doing the movement that we're doing then they naturally kind of perk up because 
the intrinsic motivation is then kind of sparked, like because the expectation is lower. I think that's partly it, and I think partly like once you just get started, it's just sort of a bit easier. But like sometimes just the thought of starting is just like mega daunting, which is why I think just go baby steps and don't expect huge things of yourself in that kind of situation. And sometimes the huge thing will come if it doesn't. That's cool. You're still making progress. Yeah, there's this guy on the internet called Dave Ramsey, and he's a Christian-y conservative American guy who helps people get out of debt, which makes him quite a strange person for me to binge watch, but I do binge watch him. He's brilliant. <laughs> he has this thing called the debt snowball, because for him, debt isn't a maths problem fundamentally, it's a behavior problem. So he doesn't say pay off the debt with the big interest rates, which in theory makes the most amount of sense if you're looking after the pennies. He says start with the smallest debt. The idea being you need the momentum and you need to be able to get into it to then see that there's evidence of progress, which in turn is motivating. Because I mean, something we haven't spoken about today and we'll run out of time, but it's a conversation for another day, is the role of progress as a form of feedback and motivation. Because it's difficult to do something endlessly without any feedback that this is going well. And feedback can be a number of different things. It can be affirmation, it can be money, it can be a whole bunch of stuff. But if you're getting nothing back, your reward systems can't keep up kind of thing with the amount of effort and energy you're putting in. Yeah. And Tony Robbins talks about this. He's got this thing, the success loop, I think it's called, where you require a little bit of belief to begin with, that you can get some kind of change, some kind of improvement. And I talk about this in my pain course as well. So it requires a little bit of belief to begin with, because if you don't believe that you can change anything, you don't believe you can get better, then you probably won't. Believing and then taking action and then seeing the results of the action that you're taking gives you a little bit of extra motivation because now you believe that things can improve and therefore you're more inclined to put in more effort to do the action, which then gives you more results, which then gives you more incentive and more motivation to do more action and get more results. And then it goes around the circle. Yeah. So in something of a summary, external motivation, if you require it, you're probably not doing quite the right thing, but it can be a brilliant short-term solution if you're doing your GCSEs or anything that resembles your GCSEs in its psychological character, <laughs> i.e. something you have to do and get over with, but it's not massively fun. But you don't have to want to do the thing you want to do all the time. Although I will say, I still do think that if you're like, God, I thought this was for me, why isn't this for me? It's probably because what you're into is unbelievably specific. What you're into isn't movement, that's impossible. You're into certain kinds of movement for certain kinds of people for certain kinds of durations. And often I think we slightly chastise ourselves for not being into something in that moment when really if we looked, we'd be motivated by something subtly different, but we're very delicate as creatures when it comes to being inspired. And you just change the context a little bit and it no longer lands. If you have any requests or suggestions about topics that you would love us to talk about, then you can send me a message either via my website, which is allthews.amyslevin.com or via Instagram, which is the underscore Amy Slevin. And I would love to hear what you would love to hear about. And that is a perfect place to leave it. So Amy, thanks so much for today. And for everyone listening at home, thank you for listening to Get A Move On with Amy Slevin. That was Get A Move On with Amy Slevin. If you enjoyed that, we'll be back next week with a slightly different topic. And if you didn't enjoy that, we'll be back next week with a slightly different topic. Thanks for listening.